How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, good to worship the Lord, uh, study God's word. I want to invite you uh, to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start this morning uh, a series, a Bible study series entitled Hidden Christmas, Hidden Christmas. And I'm going to get into the meaning of that in a couple moments. Uh, But I'm excited that during this month of December, uh, as we prepare for uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anybody love Jesus out there? Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1. When everybody's there, say amen. Here's the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now pause for a second, uh, because in my study Bible, I wrote down the word providence. Someone say providence. Someone say providence. Uh, Providence means that God uh, maneuvers situations and circumstances and even people to perform his will. And what we see here is God somehow or another touching the heart of Caesar, the ruler of Rome, to order a census that as a result causes everybody to go back to their hometown and it causes David and Mary to go back to their hometown so that Jesus can be born in Bethlehem according to the prophecies of the scripture. So God used man, even Caesar, and he maneuvered things and he maneuvered situations to perform his word. That's why we don't give up on situations. That's why we don't throw in the towel. Because even though it may not look like it's going in your favor, God has a way to turning it around. Does anybody believe that this morning? Anybody believe that? That God is a God of providence. Someone say providence. He can move your boss around. He can move your boss around. He can move something around to perform his promise in your life. Go to verse 5. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for uh, available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want you to catch that word, at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news. Someone say good news. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in clothes and in a, li a lying in a manger. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing uh, and the doing of his word. My brothers and sisters, as we launch into this new Bible study for this month of December on Sundays, uh, entitled Hidden Christ Christmas, Hidden Christmas, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. Think about this thought. Christmas is the only Christian holy day that is also a major secular holiday. Think about that with me. I'm going to say it again. That Christmas is the only Christian holy day that is also a major secular holiday. That means um, at the very same time, there are two different celebrations observed by millions of people at the very same time. Christmas is the only major uh, holy day that is also at the very same time celebrated by the secular world. And as a result, as I mentioned, there's two different celebrations observed by millions of people at the very same time. Think about this with me. Millions of unbelievers celebrate Christmas and don't even believe in the meaning of Christmas. Did you catch that? Millions, possibly billions of unbelievers this December will celebrate Christmas and they don't even believe in the meaning of Christmas. I'll take you even deeper. There's going to be possibly billions of dollars invested by unbelievers to promote a Christmas without a Christ. In the next couple weeks, you're going to see the result of this in the malls and on radio and uh, through the various cities of L.A. County and even the world, that there's going to be billions of dollars invested to promote and to market a Christmas without a Christ. As a result, it, their story becomes more about reindeers instead of angels. Their story becomes more about Santa Claus uh, instead of Jesus. Their story becomes more about receiving instead of giving. There is a clash going on in the next couple uh, weeks between those who celebrate Christmas and don't believe in Christmas and us who celebrate Christmas because of Jesus. It's going to be kind of like a clash. And as a result... As a result of this, the real meaning of Christmas gets hidden more and more to a generation. As a result of this, the real meaning of Christmas gets hijacked by a secular world. Yearly, society becomes more and more unaware of the real meaning of Christmas. And I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a holy responsibility to celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. 
I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a joyful uh, responsibility to make clear and loud the real meaning of why we celebrate Christmas. I believe that as Christians, we are to pass on the real meaning of Christmas lest we celebrate a Christmas without a Christ and the meaning becomes hidden to the next generation. As Christians, we have a holy yet joyful responsibility to relish in the real meaning of Christmas, to remind ourselves through the worship, through our prayer, and through the study of God's Word, the real meaning of Christmas. So, uh, with that in mind, in our study in December, my hope is to make the truths of Christmas less hidden. With that in mind, my hope is in December, as we study the word together, as we worship together, as we pray together, that we shine the light on the meaning of Christmas. We refuse to allow people uh, you know, to regularly live around us, and they don't even know what Christmas is really about. We are going to relish in the meaning of Christmas. We are going to remind ourselves of the meaning of Christmas. And so I encourage you to, uh, to end this year strong uh, by worshiping with us, by studying God's word with us here on Sundays and even on Thursdays. I encourage you to invite someone uh, to the house of the Lord who needs fresh hope. And even if, uh, if you're even more dangerous, I encourage you to, to bring somebody to church. Bring somebody to church. We handed out today uh, brochures, Christmas brochures, and they're more like flyers. Make sure you get one or two or a couple of them before you leave because it has all our Christmas gatherings uh, that we have for the next couple of weeks, including Christmas Eve and Christmas Day right here at 1230. And we are believing in the next several weeks there's going to be more and more people exposed to the meaning of Christmas and thus have their life transformed by the power of God. Someone shout amen. So get a brochure and hand someone out, hand one out to your family or friends. As we think about the meaning of Christmas in the next couple of weeks, today I want to start off with one big idea to wrap our hearts around this morning. And here's the big idea for us today. Christmas means God's light broke into darkness. Christmas means God's light broke into darkness. And I get this out of verse 8 and 9. I'm going to read the two verses in its entirety. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Get that phrase, at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So I want you to notice two things in that passage of Scripture. Number one, it's nighttime. Someone say nighttime. It's nighttime. The shepherds are at night, and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines upon them. What is the glory of the Lord in a snapshot? It is the light of God. The glory of the Lord is the light of God. And when we see the shepherds at nighttime being exposed uh, to the light of God at the birth of Jesus, it is a small picture of what the birth of Jesus means to the entire world. I want you to catch that. 
When we see in this verse a small picture of the, of the shepherds being exposed to the light of God in the middle of the night, it is a small picture of what the birth of Jesus means to the entire world, i.e., Jesus' birth brings the light of God into a dark world. I'm going to say it again that Jesus' birth brings the light of God into a dark world. Now, um, Christmas uh, contains many different spiritual truths, but unless you grasp this one spiritual truth, it's going to be hard to grasp the others, and that is Jesus' birth brings the light of God into a dark world. I would say that we would have to agree that the world is dark. The world was dark when Jesus was born, and the world is even darker today. In the Bible, the word darkness refers to evil, it refers to ignorance, and it refers to blindness. In the Bible, the word darkness refers to evil, it refers to ignorance, and it refers to darkness. And all we got to do is look around and we will see that our generation is dark. Many people are suffering from evil right in front of us. Many people right in front of us are losing their minds. We're living in a generation when young people by the droves are losing their mind, when they should be the best and the brightest amongst us, but they are losing their minds. I remember driving down the street not too long ago, and I seen a lady uh, laying on the street in between the curb and the street. She was laying there, and it wasn't 1 a.m. in the nighttime. It was 1 p.m. in the afternoon, and we were all driving by her as if to say that that was normal for our generation. The world is dark. Our generation is getting darker and darker. Just about two days ago, a sweet grandmother called me up asking uh, about how to purchase uh, my, uh, my book, and I asked her where she was calling from. She said she was calling from uh, Nevada, and then I asked her why she wanted a copy of my book. She said in such a sweet yet brokenhearted tone that her grandson had been arrested for murder, and he needed fresh hope. You could hear the brokenness in this grandmother's voice, how she possibly will never see her grandson again, yet she is crying out to God on behalf of him. The world is dark, and unless we find our way to Jesus, we will not find the light. The good news is, an experience with God is an experience with light. The good news is an experience with God is an experience with light. When we help people encounter God, we are helping them encounter light. That's the good news, that even though we're in a dark generation, there is the light of God available. I love how the prophet Habakkuk described God in chapter 3, verse 4. He says that his radiance is like the sunlight, and, and his, he, he has rays flashing from his hand. 
I love that image about God. There's rays flashing from his hand. Apostle Paul described his experience with God in Acts chapter 22, uh, verse 6. He said, about noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. And even though we live in a dark world, the good news is the light of God is available to everyone. And we want to remind ourselves that Christmas is a celebration of light. Christmas is a celebration of light. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied this meaning about the birth of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. Listen to what the prophet said. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's the good news, that Christmas is a celebration of light. It's a celebration of light. And Jesus affirmed this in his words in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Christmas is a celebration of light. It's a celebration of light. This is why, this is why believers, or many believers, I should say, put lights on their homes. This is why believers uh, put lights uh, around their home. Now think about this. To the world, Christmas lights is about competition. To the world, Christmas lights is about competition the, uh, to see how, how, who, whose house can be more uh, uh, beautiful or whose house can be more uh, decorated. That's the meaning of Christmas lights to the world. But to us as followers of Jesus, Christmas lights is about Christ. Christmas lights is about Christ. It's about us reminding the world that you don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to be uh, uh, confound by the darkness, but there is light available to us. To the world, Christmas lights is about competition, but to us, Christmas lights is about Christ. So as we think about Christmas is a celebration of light, it's important for us to remind ourselves what does light mean in the Bible? What does light mean in the Bible? Let me help us to understand this. First of all, light is truth. Light is truth. In John chapter 3, verse 21, listen to this. It says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. You hear that? Uh, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. You see the connection between light and truth? That light portrayed in the scripture is truth. It brings clarity to dark situations. The light of God, the truth of God brings clarity to dark situations. If you drive a car at nighttime without headlights on, chances are you're going to crash. Why? Why? Because light reveals the truth of things that are ahead of you. Light reveals the truth of things that are ahead of you. And if you don't live your life with the light of God, chances are you're going to crash. 
And if you're a father or you're a mother, it is more than just about you. You have your whole family that you got to lead, and you cannot lead without the headlights on. Hello, somebody. In Psalms 43, verse 3, it says, Send your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Send your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Light is truth. And the reason why Satan wants to keep us from the real truth i.e. the real meaning of Christmas, the reason why Satan wants us to fall for a counterfeit truth is because he knows that Jesus taught in John 8, 32 that then they will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's the reason why he wants to hide the real meaning of Christmas because if someone is exposed to the real meaning of Christmas, they will be set true, uh, free by the truth. And so the Satan works overtime to get us to fall for a counterfeit truth. By the way, I want to remind you, any truth you have that does not transform you is not the real truth. Any truth you have that, is, that does not change you, does that make you better, does not transform you, is not the real truth. That's why we cannot create our own truth. That's why we cannot create our own truth. That's why we got to be careful because the world tries to create their own truth. The world will tell you, I have my own truth and you have your own truth. We don't agree with that position. We say there's one truth and it's God's truth. It's God's truth, whether we like it or we, not, or we don't. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those. We were learning in the last couple of weeks in the midweek service, I was teaching how at Chapel of Change, we hold true to the old time gospel. At Chapel of Chains, we preach the old time gospel. We're taking the old gospel into a new world. We do not change the truth. We do not rearrange the truth. We stay faithful to the truth because it is the truth that is going to set the world free. Once you start trying to mess with the truth, once you start trying to water down the truth, once you start trying to twist up the truth, you're not going to be transformed. So we hold to the old time truth of the gospel. We don't bend over public opinion. We don't bend over popularity or even politics. It was handed down to us, and that is what we're going to hand down to the next generation. And so we got to be careful that we don't invent our own truth. We turn to God for truth. What he says and what he does is truth, whether we like it or not. We got to be careful because in our own human broken nature, we have a tendency to create our own truth. In our own broken nature, as human beings, we, we have a tendency to create our own truth. You don't believe me? Just listen to little kids. Just listen to little kids. I remember when my kids were much, much smaller, when much, much smaller, at times they try to create their own truth. And I would tell them, listen, you cannot backtalk your parents. You cannot backtalk. And they would say, I'm not backtalking. I'm just asking a question. 
I'm not back talking. No, 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 you are. I'm your dad. I tell you what the truth is. You do not create the truth. And for you and I, our Heavenly Father is our dad, and he creates the truth. We don't tell him what the truth is. We follow what he says. Let the church say amen. Secondly, I would like to remind us that light exposes sin. Light exposes sin. And if we could talk like family, we all have blind spots in our, in our lives. We all have areas in our lives that we think are right, but are not right in God's eyes. And I want to remind us that as we spend time in the light of God, He exposes those things that are in our life that are out of order. As we spend time in the light of God, he exposes things in our hearts and minds, in our lives that are out of order. And I would dare say, my brothers and sisters, we need God's light to expose things in our lives that we need to repent from. Repentance is not a one-time situation. No, repentance is good for the believer as it is for the unbeliever. And we need God's light to expose things that have crept up into our heart and into our mind because we live in a contaminated world. We live in a contaminated world and things are constantly trying to creep into our mind and creep into our heart that, that, that messes us up. And the more we stay under the light of God, the more he exposes those things that we need to repent from. In Psalms 90 verse 8, it says, You have set our iniquities before you our secret sins in the light of your presence. Our secret sins, and we all, we all have secret sins. You know what they are, the ones you cannot talk about, the ones you cannot tell your spouse about. We all have secret sins, but thanks be to God for the light of God who shines through the facade of our lives and exposes those things that don't belong in our life. And I want to remind us that God doesn't expose those things to condemn us, but he exposes them to cleanse us. He exposes them to cleanse us because only the pure in heart can see God. And the Lord wants to use your life in a significant way. And the most powerful thing to be used by God is a heart that is purified before the light of God. Someone shout amen. So light exposes the sin that is in our heart. And a lot of times it happens while we are sitting underneath the preached word. A lot of times it happens while we're sitting underneath the preached word and, and the spirit kind of hits us in the gut over matters that, that don't belong in our lives. And I see it sometimes. I see it when I'm preaching up in the air. I see some of y'all respond. You go, ooh. You go, ah. Oh. That's the spirit of God. And guess what? That's a good sign. That's a sign that God is not done with you. That is a sign that God still wants to use you. That is a sign that the Holy Spirit has not forsaken you. And he's still molding you and shaping you and getting you ready for the next season of your life. And I would encourage us to deal with the things in our lives as the light of God exposes them. Deal with the things in our lives as the light of God exposes them. And I want to remind us that a form of God's light is his word. God's word is a form of God's light. 
In Psalms 119.105, it says, For your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 6.23 says, For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. So as we sit up underneath the preached word, God has this spiritual flashlight that shines deep down into our soul and our mind and it exposes things that should not be there. And if we're wise and if we're smart, we will deal with the things that God exposes in our life before he deals with us. I'm going to say ouch. The sad thing is many don't come to God because, uh, God's light because they really don't want to change. The sad thing is many people don't come to God's light or many people don't stay underneath God's light because they really don't want to change. Some people love their sin. Some people love their misery. Some people love the condition they're in so they don't stay under the light. They don't come to the light because they really don't want to change. Because with change comes responsibility. Now you got to be a father now. Now you got to be a husband now. Now you got to be a mother now. Now you don't have no more excuse. You're free now. Some people don't like freedom because freedom comes with responsibility. In John chapter 3 verse 20 says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. So Lord, help us. Help us not to run from the light and help us to stay under the light. By the way, did you notice we got new lights in the sanctuary? Come on, somebody, praise the Lord. Did you, anybody notice that or you just came into the sanctuary and everything was still normal? The Lord blessed us. And this is just the first phase. There's two phases to, to this. The last thing that I would share in our study this morning is that light heals our soul light heals our wounds it heals our soul and we know that life at times bruises our souls we know that that offenses bruise our soul we know that words bruise our soul abuses bruise our soul even our failures bruise our soul have you ever had a bruise uh, on your arm and somebody accidentally hit the bruise? Uh, do you remember what you do? You, 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 you shrink back. Somebody accidentally touched your bruise on your arm, you shrink back. They, they didn't know that you were bleeding underneath and they touched you and you shrink back. And that's a little picture of what we do with life when our soul is bruised. When our soul is bruised, we shrink back from life. We shrink back from our dreams. We shrink back from God's calling upon our life because we're bleeding underneath uh, the exterior. The Bible says a wounded soul who can bear. The good news is the light of God heals our souls. The good news is the light of God heals our wounds. I love how the prophet Malachi describes it in chapter 4, verse 2. Listen to what he says. I love this picture. He says, the son of righteousness 
will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. I love that image. That picture of when the sun of righteousness rays comes and hits my soul. And by the way, every time you're exposed to the worship of God, the rays of God are hitting your soul. Every time you're in the presence of worship and praise, you're being exposed to the light of God. You're exposing your soul to the light of God. Every time you sit up underneath the word of God, I want you to envision there's light beaming from this pulpit right now. God's flashlight is beaming from this pulpit right now. And it's healing your soul. It's healing your mind. It's healing your inward bruise so you no longer shrink back from life. You no longer shrink back from the calling of life. You no longer shrink back from your dreams, but like the prophet Malachi says, there's healing in God's wings, and you're free. You're free, and the Bible says you start leaping with joy like calves let out of pasture. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a cowboy, so I don't know about calves jumping out of, of pastures, but I do have a dog. His name is Tank. And I'm going to tell you something, when I let him out of that cage, man, he jumps out of that cage and he starts jumping up and down. He starts to tackle me and he don't know what to do with his life because he's free from the cage. And that's what the power of God does to our soul when we sit up underneath the light of God. It frees us and no longer are we coming to church with an attitude. No longer are we coming to church with an attitude, but we're coming leaping and praising God. No longer are we coming to church for revival, but we're coming to church with revival, with revival, with praise. No longer are we coming to church to praise God, but we're bringing the praise to the house of the Lord because we're leaping with joy. We're not shrinking back from life no more. We've been exposed to the light of of Christ. Some of you will probably remember this. Others will have to fact check me. But back in the days, you couldn't just take a picture and immediately see the picture. Right? You couldn't just take a picture and immediately see the picture. That is a modern day phenomenon right there. Back in the days, they had what you call film. And you would take a picture, you could not see the picture immediately, you don't know how it turned out, if you were good, or your hair was good, or not good, you just took the picture by faith. And you would have to take the film, maybe to a place called Thrifties, or Melody Inn, or Jimco, or J.C. Penney's, or I don't know, Kodak. And you would take it into the shop. And what they would do with the film is the way that they would produce the image is they would go to a dark room. And the dark room, in the dark room, they would produce the image of whatever picture you took. They had to go to the dark room. But if you remember, and sometimes you see this on TV, if by accident someone stepped into that room and opened the door and allowed the light in guess what happened it ruined the image anybody remember that 
The guy would be in the dark room. He's trying to produce the image from the film. And all of a sudden, someone would accidentally open the door. The light of the outside will come in. And he would get so mad because he knew his image was just ruined. The light dispelled the darkness. The light ruined the image. And I want to remind somebody today that through life, we take various pictures with our soul and our mind. And sometimes these pictures and images, they haunt us and they hurt us. And sometimes it wasn't even our fault. Maybe we're a little kid and we saw something or heard something and it becomes an image in our mind that causes us to shrink back from life and it hurts us and it haunts us even as an adult. And that's one of the reasons why we have issues as an adult is because we never dealt with the images as a kid. But I want to remind somebody, the good news is the light of God uh, removes the images or destroys the images that the enemy might try to set in your mind. The more we sit up underneath the light of God, it will take the sting out of the image in your mind so it no longer hurts you or haunts you and you don't shrink back from life instead of you're running towards life leaping and praising God so I encourage you as we go into this season as we prepare to end this year and bust open 2021 I encourage you to make a commitment to the light make a commitment to run toward the light, sit in the light, open up your heart and minds to the light. For the light will heal your soul. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to just pause and think about what the Lord was trying to get across to us. Think about what was God trying to tell you? Is it time to make a commitment to the light? Is it time to make a commitment to stay in the light? The light of God's worship, the light of God's presence, the light of God's word. Let's think about, think about it. What was God saying to you through this word? Every head bowed, every eye closed in a moment of reflection, meditation and reverence to the Lord.
Hallelujah, 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 Lord. We thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that you are shining the light in areas where you want to expose, God. And with that, Lord, we accept your healing. We accept your love, God. For we give this over to you, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. This is your fight. This is your battle. Lord, you are performing spiritual surgery right now, God, in areas where it's been dark, it's been hidden. And today, God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that you're a God of light. And anything that is brought to light has been exposed, God. For God, you see us as conquerors that you see us as your children god you see us as as sitting at the right hand of you lord father god and that's the image we are receiving right now at this moment god so we rebuke any lies any images of the enemy god and we receive god your light and how you see us in the name of jesus in the name of jesus and all god's people said Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give it up for the word of God today, brothers and sisters. Uh, at this time, we're going to transition uh, to our tithes and offerings where we get a, a chance to respond to the word of God and, and just bless, uh, you know, we're like, a, we're like a lighthouse here at Chapel of Change. We're like, a, like, like those lighthouses out on the ocean, right, where, where, where the ships are out and it's real dark, but, but that beacon is, is a symbol of there, there's light and this is the right direction. So with that, we have an opportunity to give and invest into good ground here at Chapel of Change where we can continue to project that light. Amen. Uh, um, I have a scripture for you right here. It's Proverbs 3, 9. It's honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats and brim overflowing with new wine. Uh, many of us maybe not don't have any barns or vats here, but but it speaks of provision of God, right? You know, the farmers back then relied on the crops and, 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 and the food resources for their livelihood, for the clothes on their back, for the roof over their head, amen? So this is a, a chance that, that we may give, and we just want to thank God just for having a jacket, right? For being warm, amen? So uh, as the ushers come forward, we have some new announcements. Uh, we have uh, we have four ways to give, which is on the screen. Four ways to give. One, you could give online, text, mail, and also in person. As we're about to facilitate that here this morning. We also have a sister in the back that takes debit card. If you want to give by debit card, and we also have scan to give, where you can scan on your phone uh, with your camera app and uh, click on the link and give that way if you would like. Uh, we have also uh, this Saturday at. Uh, our Carson campus, any married couples in the house? Any married couples in the house? Amen. They're having a, a Christmas dinner for, for the Ignite Marriage Ministry. That's at Carson campus this, uh, the, the 9th. I believe that's Friday, right? Is that Friday? Friday here at Carson campus, 7 p.m. Come out, bring your, bring your wife, husbands, take your wife out on a date and get blessed. Amen. Also, we have our kids presentation the 18th, December 18th. Let's give it up for our children. Hallelujah. Our children have been practicing and training to present, you know, a good performance for us, Lord. Uh, for, so I, I thank God for that. I thank Pastor Bo and the team as they're training our kids to worship the Lord and, you know, 
give honor to him as well. That's this 18th, which is September 18th, uh, 1230 service. Be there so we could come out and support our kids. Also, we have um, our, what we call every year our Christ's birthday offering. Christ's birthday offering is, is um, not only our tithe, but our gift to God, right? And um, today's my birthday. I don't know if you guys know that, right? Here. And, and, you know, I don't really like gifts, right? But I just like, you know, my family continue to do the good things, right? My kids listen, you know, don't fight, you know, stuff like that. Like, like this, this peace in the house, that love in my house, that's my, that's my biggest gift. And, and this, is, this is a way we could give God back uh, in this area because we want to keep the doors open here at Chapel of Change, right? And it takes money and resources. So what makes God happy is that we have these campuses. We create platform for people to experience in him. So the Christ's birthday offering is going to be a gift to God to keep his doors open, right? We're going to be able to be open for business for God, amen? So this is going to be going to our Carson uh, Civic Center. We're going to be trying to rent that out every quarter to be right there next, in, in the midst of Carson Campus or with the mayor, the civic center, so we can impact that city. So we're saying God's house is open for business in Carson, right? Also, yes, give it up. Also, we're going to be renting the synagogue. Uh, these funds are going to rent the synagogue so we have a bigger space in Long Beach to impact the city of Long Beach. And we're keeping the doors open, and we are open for business in the name of Jesus. Also, Last but not least, we have our Woodier campus facility that's doing a, a work in Woodier on Saturdays at 5 p.m. And this is just going towards that funding of keeping the doors open and keeping God's business open for his people. Amen. So let's pray and then I'm going to release the ushers. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the ability to give, Lord. And Lord, may this uh, just... Just touch your heart, Lord, that we are willing just to keep the doors open for you, God. This is our gift, Lord, our time, our sacrifice, our talents, our treasures, God. Because we know, Lord, that we want to just widen the net, God, so that your people can experience your love, God. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Ushers, you are released. here. So as uh, Pastor Ray mentioned, our Christ's birthday offering goes towards these lights. We, we put up the lights 
uh, by faith, right? And the Word of God tells us that we walk by faith, right? Not by sight. So we did it in faith, and we know that God's people are um, generous. Well, before we bless you out, um, I just want to, as my husband mentioned, and as I mentioned, it's his birthday. So it's on a Sunday. Would you guys help me sing him happy birthday? And this is my sister. She's going to help me because she's got the voice. She's got the voice. I don't. If you can come up so we can sing you happy birthday, babe. Ray. All right. Again, she has the voice. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, Pastor Raymond. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. The best brother-in-law in the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So uh, if you want to stay up here, because we're going to bless him out. Um, so we always say, uh, don't leave without your blessing. So it's customary here at Chapel of Change to send you off with a blessing. If you can put your hands out in a receiving posture. I'm also going to have our pastors line up. If you need prayer, please, please, please come see us. We want to pray for you. Never leave without a prayer. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Kenny, Coach Kenny, if you can go up to pray for people as well, please. And um, we're going to bless you out. In the name of the Father, who loves you oh so much, and in the name of the Son, who died on that cross for you and I, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, that reminds us that God is the light. Go today with the power, the protection, and the peace of God. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you, everyone.